Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegen Pressing. The Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me. As always, is football grad creator Manuel Beth. Manuel, how are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, I've been better, Bryce. Um, you know, I was in a little bit of a, of a bike accident last week, and um, yeah, yeah, recovering for, for concussion syndromes. But every day has has been better, and um, yeah, glad to be on the show. It's been a bit of a rough week, to be honest. Uh, had a bike accident on, on Tuesday and then, um, a dear friend of mine from the Total Soccer Show, Daryl Grove, um, sadly passed away last week as well. And, um, yeah, I, I want to use this moment and just reach out to Tyler Rockwell, who runs the Total Soccer Show with him. Um, and Daryl's family, of course, and, um, just, my condolences. This is this was very sad news. I've known Daryl now for more than a year. We hung out in Düsseldorf last year on one of those DFL visits, and yeah, it's it's always hard when you when you lose a great journalist, a great voice of American soccer, right? So, um, yeah, my condolences. Uh, rest in peace, Daryl. Yeah, you will be very very missed. Yeah, some very sad news indeed. And Manu, at least we're glad to hear that you're okay after the uh, bike incident. Um, unfortunately, your bike's in pieces, but you're okay. And that's that's the most important thing. So joining uh, Manu and I, he's back, everyone. That's right. We've got English and German football reporter, Chris Williams. Chris, how you been? Uh, very well, thanks. Had a little break last week. Um, apologies, couldn't make it. I was... Rushing from the um, DFL's World Feed Studio um, for a flight. So, yeah, wasn't able to make it, but yeah, glad to be back. And we're glad to have you back. So, match day five uh, has been and gone. This is us recording straight after the Monday night game between Bruce, or sorry, between uh, Bayer Leverkusen uh, and Osberg. As we've seen, Bayer Leverkusen win. 3-1, yes, um, it was a rather entertaining game with Osborne coming back uh, to equalise in the second half with a counter-attacking uh, football. We thought they might even pinch a lead, but no, that wasn't to happen. Alario getting a second and then, well, Diaby putting it into an empty net right at the end as Gigovic went up for the corner. Guys, let's talk about this game first then. Um, Chris, a rather entertaining Monday night game. I've seen a few people online say that they weren't expecting much from this, but it, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, so did I, actually. Um, I wasn't expecting much, and that's purely not because of the teams that are involved, um, because it's Monday night, and Monday nights can be a bit dull. And, and this wasn't, actually. It was um, it was entertaining. I'd say the second half was a little better than the first half, but, yeah, I always like to see... Um, I always like to see a goalkeeper go up in the last minute just in case. And I think the old adage is if you're getting beat 2 1, you're better off getting beat 3 1 and, and going for it and seeing if you can get that equaliser. And that's exactly what happened. They were caught on the break. Um, Diaby, like a rocket, um, is faster than anybody else. It looked like he had jet powered shoes on. But yeah, it was an easy goal for him in the end. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good game. Um, I thought. The teams were quite finely balanced throughout, and I don't think it was a 3-1 game. Um, but yeah, that Geekovic's going up right at the end to try and get an equaliser is obviously what made it 3-1. 
Yeah, it's always entertaining, isn't it, to see a goalkeeper go up. Something that you would normally expect maybe in a cup game rather than a league match. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, puts a smile on a lot of our faces, unless you're on the wrong end of it. But um, yeah, Manu, we talked last week um, about, uh, especially domestically, we had only seen uh, three goals uh, from Leverkusen this year. That was in four games. Uh, And in this last week, that seems to have changed. Um, Leverkusen go back to their normal ways uh, of scoring a lot uh, conceding yes but, but scoring a lot of goals as in Europe in the Europa League we've seen them win 6-2 that's right 6-2 against Nice and then well tonight we've seen a 3-1 victory as well it, it seems like the Peter Bosk style of football scoring plenty has returned yeah, let's start with the game against Nice because I thought that was phenomenal it was a very very good performance and it was nice because one of the things that we discussed on Monday, last Monday, was where are the goals going to come from, and you know where, how are they going to replace um, Folland and Havertz, right? Those two being such a big part of the attack, and then I mean even Brandt going back a further season, and it was really nice seeing that performance against Nice because they had so many different goal scorers. I mean, Amiri scored the first, Alario scored the second. Then you had Diaby score and Bellarabi chipped in with two goals. And then uh, Florian Flo Wirtz coming off um, the bench and, and scoring another and making it um, 6-1. And then, you know, they conceded, a, <laughs> they wouldn't be by Leverkusen if they hadn't uh, conceded one very late. But it was, it was really good seeing the amount of different scores and the unpredictability that came with it. And I, I thought that was. It was very positive news for Leverkusen because right now it's so hard to, you know, you go from game to game to game and um, you really have to kind of really get get it going in one way or another to and try to preserve that form. Against Augsburg today, I'm, I'm, there could have been so many more goals. I mean, I know one of Chris's favorite players in the Bundesliga is Musa Diaby, and I agree with him. He's an he's an absolutely remarkable talent. But I think I tweeted at one point today that Diaby would be an even better player if the his decision making in the final I wouldn't even want to say the final third. It's really the final tenth of the field was just a bit better. Um, There was one situation where he was where he had beaten everyone and then passed the ball rather than shoot himself. Um, his passing is just not a hundred percent accurate yet, and um, fitting that he got that that last goal on the empty net, right? But I I think that it kind of highlights maybe what I sometimes see with Leverkusen, where I see the issues with them that they're such a wonderful side to watch, and I think they absolutely deserve to win this game. They should have won it probably by more. I think um, just after that miss, the Augsburg made it one-one, and then. Uh, <laughs> Leverkusen hit the crossbar from what was almost a comical situation. So I, I think there is so much talent in this team. But I think despite losing Harvard and Folland, they it almost feels like there's even more talent in this team. And it's really just sometimes those last minute decisions, those last second decisions that kind of where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Chris, would you agree? Obviously, we've spoke plenty about, you know, how great uh, Diaby is, uh, and you're a big fan of him as well. Would you say that, you know, in time, he's going to improve in that area in his game? Or uh, or do you think this is something that we're just going to have to expect from him? I think he's unpredictable, as Manu said, and I think that's a strength and a weakness at times. And occasionally, it will be um, a, a blind in strength, and occasionally, it will be a slight weakness for him. But... I agree with what Manu said, that Leverkusen, although they've lost Havertz and Volland, you would think that would hamper them um, quite badly to lose two quality players. And honestly, to lose Havertz is um, uh, a tremendous loss for any team. But a little like what Leipzig have done, now they've lost their main man. They've had to, Other people have had to step in and replace it. And I think this is what we're seeing with Leverkusen. They've now got four or five players who can... Um, cause you problems rather than one golden boy who can cause you a lot of problems. And I think occasionally for a club, it can be a strength that, that unpredictability. Um, obviously they're still unbeaten. Um, that's, that's good going. They're up into fourth. I genuinely didn't think they'd be anywhere near 
um, the top end of the table, having lost Folland, Dan Havertz, and with the new players coming in and, and maybe taking a little bit of time to gel together, and how would they get over the loss of those two players, especially? Um, but you know, we're, we're a few games in, and, and they're looking good at the moment, and certainly looking a lot better than some of the other teams around them were expected to be um, higher above. Schalke, I thought, would be a lot better. Um, Gladbach, I thought, would be doing a lot better than they are currently. So um, Peter Bosch has got. Leverkusen playing some good football. They always did have. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting to see where they will go because um, I've got a feeling that with their European experience, um, this condensed season, which will cause a lot of issues for a lot of people, um, could work in Leverkusen's favour. Amanda, just to touch a little bit about their upcoming game, uh, their Europa League game this week against uh, Slavia. Uh, how do you see that going? Um Obviously, very impressive against Nice. Uh, and you now look at the table that they're in, the group, and you think they, they should be progressing through that and, and top you know, after that uh, emphatic win. Yeah, the this, this schedule is just incredible. I mean, well, we're going to finish recording this podcast, and by the time this comes out, there's already the net, next set of games, right? They're playing the European group stages um, three weeks in a row, then there's an international break, and then they're playing another three weeks in a row of of um, group stages in the Europa League and Champions League. I mean, it's it's a neck-breaking speed. Um, there's almost almost no break. So Leverkusen have Slavia, and they're a good side. And that team that um, seen a lot of money invested um, in them by um, Chinese company. And then they have uh, Freiburg, and then they have uh, Ben Yashiva, uh, Israeli side. After that, and that's just um, a lot of games. And I think that Chris is quite right. Maybe the, the European experience in the past, um, maybe playing more is is better for them and not even being able to really think about preserving form or, or you know, like have, have the ability to really, you know, put thoughts into what's next because you, you are basically, your game, their game is finished on today and then they got Tuesday, Wednesday off and they're playing again and then they got... Um, Friday, Saturday off, and then they're playing Freiburg. It's just neck-breaking speed. So sometimes that's that's good. I mean, um, sometimes it's better for players to play more and train less. Of course, the the problem is injuries, right? This is this is the question. Like, um, how how are they going to get affected by injuries? And every team will have this issue. Um, we're going to talk about more injuries later on, but every team will have this issue, right? But it's it depends who's getting injured. So there will be. I think in some in some ways there will be a little bit luck involved this year on who's going to everyone's going to lose players, but what players are you going to lose? At what moments of the season are you going to lose them? And yeah, it's it's going it's going to be a, a very hard schedule for them, but maybe something that will benefit them. Absolutely, it could work to their benefit, but only time will tell. Yeah, that game comes up on Thursday night. So, I think it's about time we moved on to another one of the German sides that played in Europe this last week and had quite the emphatic victory as well. It's European champions Bayern Munich. So, last week we seen them in the Champions League. We said it, it was going to be a tough tie, Manu and I, and that would really test their defence. But um, it wasn't tested nearly enough as they won a 4-0. Yes, 4-0 against Atletico Madrid. That is about as emphatic as it's going to get uh, against this tough, uh, tough opponent uh, like that, I think. Um, Manu, it, it couldn't have really went much better for them, could it? And I mean, if you look at um, Coleman as well, he was outstanding with two goals and one assist. Um, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, Coleman has been outstanding. I think it's such... We, we're seeing glimpses of what he could become if he stays injury-free over a long period of time and that his second goal I mean his second goal was just incredible it's the sort of stuff that you jump out of your seat I, I didn't because this was this was the day after I, I got hit by a car but <laughs> I didn't do much jumping but you know um, I, I, I thought it put a smile on my face and I think this is this is the sort of stuff that we can expect from him you know this is a player who at one point has hinted that he might retire because of the early injuries he's received in his career, right? And I think that Flick 
Hansi Flick has brought out the best out of so many players in this Bayern side, has rejuvenated the careers of, of a couple of players. I mean, Jerome Boateng is a great example. He's currently, it looks like he's now fixing up Lucas Hernandez as well, right? But Kingsley Coman, King as, as they call him, just fantastic. And that goal, yeah, uh, incredible. As for the performance, I think, I think it was surprised on how easy Bayern made it look against an Atletico side. And people will say, well, like Atletico, not as convincing as in the years past. They're not the same side. I mean, they took out Liverpool in the Champions League last year. That's not that long ago. So to underestimate them, it, it's, it seems foolish, right? And Bayern certainly didn't. I actually thought, Bryce, and we said this on the podcast last week, that this is going to be a really interesting challenge for them because Bayern do play this extremely high defensive line. And it seems like that, similar to Liverpool as well, right, that teams like Atletico kind of cherish that, right? Because they are okay with playing against teams that sit so high. And when they win the ball, they use the space available to them beyond that high line. I, And I think that Bayern never gave them the chance to explore that, which I thought was very impressive. And I'm borrowing this from the common match commentator um, of this game. Um, unfortunately, I forgot his name, so I'm sorry for that. But he said, it seems like Bayern are the best marriage of that high-press Gegen pressing Jurgen Klopp style and Guardiola's tiki taka. And I think that is making them currently the best club side in the world to watch, right? Does that mean they're going to defend the title in the Champions League? I mean, I, I, a lot of things can go wrong. You know, we might at that stage have single game el elimination again, right? So like things can go wrong very quickly. But I think right now, in my opinion, they're the best club side in Europe. And Chris, uh, just to ask you, I mean, would you agree uh, with that at the moment? Uh, I think some people thought that, you know, that high line would be something that uh, teams would be able to get at. But, you know, they, they've proven, you know, against Atletico that, you know, there's there's obviously not much of a concern. But uh, I know if we look at that group, you've got Lokomoto Moscow and you've also got Salzburg in there as well. You just can't see anything but uh, Bayern breezing through that group, really, can you? Uh, no, it would be a complete shock if they didn't finish top of that group. Um, and if they were to fall into the Europa League, that would be an even bigger shock. I can't see that happening at all. Uh, I think they'll win the group quite convincingly because of the way they played, not just recently in Europe, um, as in this season, but going back a month, month and a half until we were still in last season. Um, yeah, they've been playing tremendous in Europe. They've got that European bit between their teeth and... I was really surprised to see them beat Atletico Madrid in this way because of exactly what Manu said, that Diego Simeone almost almost relishes this chance to, to, to show his brand of football is better than this high transition, high press, you know, be it Guardiola, be it um, Klopp, be it Flick, be it anyone. He wants to show that his way is the best way of playing. And, and yeah, they were absolutely dismantled um, by them. Um, I think it was coming... Um, for Simeone, is Atletico Madrid. I think they were they were very lucky last season, um, especially that Liverpool didn't take their chances, um, and they ran into a club at the very top of the game at the moment who took every chance that was offered to them. Um, but then for them, it's relentless from Bayern. It's not just the occasional um, high victory win. Um, obviously, they battered Schalke, they battered Atletico, then they battered Frankfurt. It's that one little blip in the season that I think everybody else is going to cling on to. Um, can we be the Hoffenheim is what people are going to say. Um, and it, it's, it's going to take something monumentous for that to happen. But a little, like I said, it would be um, in Leverkusen's strength and to be playing week in, week out. I do feel at some point it's going to hamper Bayern because of how well they did last season, how little rest they had. Um, I, I'm going to be really interested come February to see what they're like. If we're still talking like we are now, and buying a sweeping sides in front of them away, four, five, six, seven nil in February, and they're not losing games and they're still dominating Europe, I think we could be looking at one of the best sides in Europe for the last few seasons. Um, so yeah, I'm going to reserve judgment on them fully until the start of next year, February time. But that's not to say they're, they're a fantastic side. They are at the moment. 
Um, I think they are the best club side in Europe, and and that shows by obviously them being European champions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Manu, then let's talk about the game that's coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, Bayern are taking on Lokomotiv Moscow, who drew 2-2 against Salzburg in their opening uh, group game. Uh, What type of opponent are they facing here? What, What can you tell us about them? Yeah, Loco are not the the Loco of old. Um, there's there's been a, a lot of changes, and they lost Miranchuk, of course, to Atalanta. Um, a story that I broke on Transfermarkt back in in August. And um, yeah, they they used to be a team that was very hard to play against, but a little bit in a transition. I watched the game between uh, Lokomotiv and Salzburg, and I actually think of the of the three sides in that group. And we're going to talk about Salzburg, of course, in, in more depth when, when that game comes up. Or we'll hopefully get someone on from the other Bundesliga podcast to, to help us with that. But I personally think that all the, the Red Bull Salzburg are probably Bayern's biggest threat in this group. If you, if you can even say something like a biggest threat, they were just a little unlucky in that game. They should have, should have won it. Um, really should have. I think Salzburg are a wonderful side, but you know, um, you you fear for locomotive Moscow in this game, and I put together the uh, the uh, the preview on uh, football grad that and Andrew is gonna post and and I, I said like Bayern are like a man eating machine at the moment they they sweep everyone in front of them and it's not cold yet in Moscow right like some sometimes Europe teams in Europe they go to Moscow and it's minus five degrees minus ten degrees there and. Um, they have a harder time. Sometimes they get a, have to walk away with a zero zero. Bayern have, have fallen in Eastern Europe to Bart Borisov, for example, a few years ago, right? So sometimes you get these odd results in Russia because it is a very difficult to play, way, place to play in in winter, but it's just not cold there yet. Um, and I think that Bayern, they will go there. Um, they're flying there directly. Serge Knabry is back. He's, uh, tested negative his, uh, for COVID-19. So he's back in the side. And, um, yeah, I think my final conclusion was that you fear for poor Loco because I think Bayern are just going to absolutely go in there. They're going to make this the, a professional, as professional as possible, get the three points and fly back to Munich. And that's not, that's not good news so for Locomotive Moscow. Well, yeah, one man that won't be traveling will be Alfonso Davis. Uh, I think Manu, we we need to talk about uh, that and whether whether he's going to be uh, well. He's clearly going to be a miss, but you know, how do you potentially you replace such a player? And uh, do, do we know at the moment how long he's going to be out with that ankle injury? It obviously, took place during their emphatic five 0 win over Eintracht Frankfurt over the weekend. Well, Bryce, here comes the German lessons back. Uh, Are you ready? Uh, okay, okay, I've got to focus now. Okay, so the word of the week is Belastungssteuerung. I could probably say about half of that. Belastungssteuerung. Okay. <laughs> no? Okay, we'll leave it yeah, at that. That's about, uh, we, we might have to do this off That's probably air. as good as it's going to get. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll get back to the news. So that was... But that's that's a term that was used quite a lot by Hansi Flick and a lot of the managers around the Bundesliga, right? Is to Belastungssteuerung is basically when you... Um, you you try to get the best out of the players without overplaying them, right? And um, a Davies was one of the players that they kept an eye on ahead of this season because he played that entire tournament in August. Um, he played that entire season last year. He's only 19. And he was one of those players where they said, okay, we don't want to overplay him, right? Um, Belastungsteuerung is basically to make sure the body isn't overused. And... What you do then, you take you take a player like that out of rotation, you reduce the training load a little bit. So they were worried a little bit about him already. And when you, when you look at this injury, it's in the second minute of the game, and he, he kind of buckles over on his ankle. Yes, it's it's a ligament damage, but it is the sort of stuff that happens to players when they're not 100% there, right? So it's unfortunate he's out for six to eight weeks and Flick spoke about how they're going to replace him. And they have a lot of quality in the side. I mean, the player that Davies did replace is David Alaba and David Alaba in turn replaced Lucas Hernandez, right? So Lucas Hernandez, the center back. So Alaba play has been playing center back and Davies has been playing left back for Alaba. And uh, Flick was sort of hinting that maybe Lucas Hernandez is now going to go back to center back and Alaba is going to play left back and they might go to the U23 
and take a player from there to throw into the rotation for some of the matches until the winter, right? Because six to eight weeks doesn't sound like a lot, but this season, six to eight weeks, that's, we're talking the end of December. And then that, that's the entire group stage of the Champions League. It's half the Bundesliga season. It's a few games in the Pokal. That's a lot of games. So I think, um, their concern isn't really about any other season. They'd be like, okay, well, whatever, six to eight weeks. It's not the end of the world. We're, we're going to slowly feed them in. But this year is so many games that the rotation is just incredible. And, um, you have to rotate a lot because you have to ensure that you don't overplay any of your players or sometimes you have to take them out of practice because they, they do all sorts of man of, um, of tests at the Bayern campus to ensure that players aren't, aren't overtrained, overplayed, right? And Davies was a perfect example for it. And unfortunately, you know, he's now out with this injury. Yeah, definitely unfortunate. And as we said, the games are coming thick and fast. So, yeah, 68 weeks can be an awful lot of game time. Uh, Chris, uh, one final word on uh, Bayern Munich. Um, it, it, do you think that the squad is deep enough? Do you think that they'll be able to avoid um, some type of injury crisis? I mean, a lot of squads, I'm sure, will be experiencing that. But um, do you think they've got enough to, to fight on all fronts? Yes, it's a very flippant. It's a very Good. flippant answer. Sorry, Bryce. I, I took a leaf out of Diego Simeone's book once. I asked him a closed question. He gave me a closed answer. <laughs> well, th- th- that's good to know. I think at that point, then we can possibly move on. So let's talk about uh, another team featuring in the Champions League, but also at top of the Bundesliga now, and that is RB Leipzig, as they went on to beat Hertha Berlin two one at the weekend. Uh, Manu, things are looking fairly rosy in the RB Leipzig uh, camp at the moment, uh, not just domestically. Yeah, you say that, but it doesn't sound like it when you ask Julian Nagelsmann, does it? Right? Uh, speaking of press conferences, both Chris and I uh, had our experiences with that man, and I don't think he's ever happy. But, uh, I mean, Leipzig, I think Leipzig in... In Germany, we're going to talk about Borussia Dortmund a little bit, but I think they are the, the, the closest team that comes to Bayern, right? In terms of, of challenging them and, and their performances have been very professional. Um, we have to talk about Angelino, of course, who has been this new discovery. He's almost playing like a forward and providing a lot of goals for them and i think what i really like about leipzig and chris you you mentioned this on 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 the on our chat so i don't want to i don't want to steal your your talking point here but they have been incredibly deep in terms of scoring haven't they yeah they have um <laughs> they can't stop scoring this is um spoke earlier about how leverkusen may benefit um that um Havertz has gone if that's even possible now Everybody expected Leipzig to maybe drop off a little bit after Timo Werner left and went to Chelsea, but they haven't. They've uh, they've jumped up. They've had eight different scorers and we're on match day five. That's exactly what you need to happen. When you lose a player who scores 25, 30 goals a season um, across all competitions, it's almost, almost impossible to replace that. You have to ask others to step up. So... Um, you have to ask the lights up on Meccano to do that. Sabitzer uh, will do that. Um, and they've just had so many different scorers. Angelino, you've already said, scoring diving headers two weeks on the run. I don't even know how a player who's like three foot two does that. But this is exactly what Leipzig needed. And Julian Nagelsmann's got them doing it. And uh, it, it's a sign of his ability. And I think it's a sign of that togetherness that the squad have got that they did lose. I don't know if he was their best player, but he was certainly their best striker. Um, and everybody expected them to maybe drop off, but now they look even stronger. I don't know how you lose a player who scores 25-plus goals a season and you look even stronger this season after that. That takes a lot of doing. And yeah, Julian Nagelsmann needs a lot of praise for that. Well, yes, indeed. That goes back to squad strength once again. And uh, as um, as we mentioned earlier, we had uh, Justin Clivert uh, started his first game at the weekend, and so did Surlot. So, um, yeah, a lot of excitement there. Uh, going into the uh, 
in the Champions League uh, this uh, week. Um, Manu, how do you see they're going to get on against uh, Manchester United? Uh, United obviously picking up a 2-1 win against PSG. It's, a, as we mentioned, a, a tough old group for RB, but hey, I, I reckon they'll get through it. I think it's a tough group for everyone, right? I mean, PSG and Leipzig know PSG well. They only played them a few, few weeks ago in the semi-final of the Champions League. And this is this is the one thing that everyone has to remember. Leipzig are one of a semi-finalist of the Champions League, and they weren't. It wasn't an accidental semi-finalist. They were very deserved to be there. They had some fantastic performances getting there. Beat Tottenham in the round of sixteen. Beat Atletico in the quarterfinal. They were in a difficult group as well last season and got through that. I think this is. I'm personally really looking forward to this game because I think it's it's going to be an interesting watch. I watched the United against Chelsea game on the weekend and uh, was very disappointed by United. I was disappointed by Chelsea too, but I was kind of I just kind of feel both those teams lacked. Um, I've never seen two expensive teams like that play and have no creative ideas. And I think that if United have that sort of performance against Leipzig, they're going to get absolutely battered, right? Because if you try to play that sort of football, negative football, and I know United can play better football. I've seen them play better football. But if you play that sort of football against Nagelsmann, and this is not at the Old Trafford of all, right? This is going to be an empty stadium. This is going to be in clinical conditions, I think that they're going to be in for a rude awakening if they think they can just do this, you know, on a stroll. Because if they, if United show up and they do think they can do this on a stroll, they're going to get battered really badly. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this game, not because I think United are going to be battered, but because I hope that United are actually going to show up and this is going to be a good watch. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, the progression, because every time you watch Leipzig play, they seem to have taken another step in their development because they still haven't really fully integrated Alexander Solot, right? You mentioned him already. They haven't really fully integrated Heishan Wong, who they have also signed, and Kloivat, he started, but he's not fully integrated. And it takes time for new players to make a mark on the side. But, you know, every game that they get, they're going to get better. And yeah, really looking forward to this game. Might even be maybe in my opinion maybe the match of the of that match day yeah and Chris obviously you know English football very well too um, I suppose want to get your opinion on it um, well a rather mouth-watering uh, potential uh, exciting game here um, Manchester United is not looking so sharp uh, domestically and it's a story of two coaches here really isn't it uh, you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, not really um you know, got anyone singing his praises? Where Julian Nagelsmann, you know, continues to uh, amaze us with the different tactician play that he he brings to the table. Uh, do you see uh, RB coming away with three points here? And I'm hoping you don't just say yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I do, um, and a little like what Manu said. It depends how Manchester United play. It depends on how um, badly I think they'll get beat. Um, I think Manchester United have, have got a few issues at the moment. I think defensively they look very um, weak. Um, I think this Leipzig side will exploit that to good effect um, if they're not on the very top of their game. Um, I think at the back, the likes of Upper Meccano, um, Orban, etc. Um, are policing a really good back line. Um, in the past, we've talked about how Leipzig have lacked a little bit of uh, squad depth how they've been poor in certain areas. So if they've been strength, if they've been strong at the front, then they've been a little bit weaker at the back. And that's not happening this season. Um, obviously, they're currently Bundesliga leaders. United are 15th, um, not playing the most exciting football. Uh, they've got issues off the pitch as well as on it. Um, but they did beat PSG in France. Um, and as Manu said, I think... One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. 
they've done that because Solskjaer's played this underdog role. I don't think Manchester United at home at Old Trafford in the Champions League against relatively newcomers, um, in the big sense of the word, RB Leipzig, I don't think they can play the underdog, so they will have to go toe-to-toe with them. And I think if they do go toe-to-toe, I think Leipzig will do to United what they did to Tottenham, which is get past them quite easily. Um, But if United are on their very, very best, um, we'll have an interesting game. The, The only problem I think United will have, or if you're a Manchester United fan, is I don't really remember seeing them being on that best for a long time. They were disappointing on the whole in the in the final of the or the final stages of the Europa League in Cologne. I don't think they they presented themselves very well in that. They just got they just about got past a couple of sides um through luck more than judgment. Um I can see Leipzig winning this. If United play very well I think Leipzig will win 2-1. If United uh, are nowhere near their best, uh, I can see Leipzig um, winning 4-1 quite easily. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that one goes, but make sure that's in your diary uh, the next couple of days. So, we talked about that being possibly the biggest uh, Champions League uh, game this uh, coming week, but uh, let's talk about uh, potentially the biggest game of the Bundesliga weekend, match day five, and that's Riviera Derby, the late kickoff that was between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke. Obviously, we knew that uh, Schalke hadn't uh, been uh, playing up. Uh, to their standards. Uh, standards have been pretty bad of uh, recent times. Um, but Borussia Dortmund blowing a little bit hot and cold. Uh, they did win 3 0. It took a little while, took them into the second half. Uh, Akanji scoring uh, from a keeper rebound, then Sancho laying it. Um, so beautifully uh, onto a plate for uh, Holland, and he finished with a, a, a fantastic chip, even better than the, the pass probably. Has 25 goals in 26 he scored for Dortmund, and then Mats Hummels right at the end, uh, making it 3 0. Manu, so while you would think that 3 0 in the Riviera Derby was um, something uh, to be uh, singing praises of, it's not really the case is it um, a lot of uh, criticism still coming uh, Favre and Dortmund's way I think we all expected Dortmund to, to get a walk away with three points here right and uh, I, I thought this the second half was was good and was a good performance but every once in a while you walk away from watching Borussia Dortmund and you're just a little disappointed if, and the first 45 minutes kind of felt like that a little bit, that you get that sense of disappointment, you get that sense that they maybe can do better, right? That there is so much talent on the field that it's almost like they're playing, they're playing overthinking it almost a little bit. And there has been... A lot of talk. I mean, the Lazio game. Let me let me rewind that. So, like, when you look at the Schalke game, it was it was an it was kind of like a, a very slow first forty five minutes. And the second forty five minutes, they did what they were supposed to do, and they dismantled Schalke. Like, great, you won the Riviera Derby. You will be um, immortalized for the rest of your life because you're a Riviera Derby hero. That's fantastic, and that's how it should be because Schalke are very bad. They lost eight 0 to Bayern Munich. They they have now not won a game in 21 games. This is, is the second most in the Bundesliga after Tasmania Berlin, a record set in 65-66. So this is not... 3-0 victory is not the benchmark against Schalke, right? The Revere Derby or not, that's just not the benchmark. We really... What I really thought, and this this was something that infuriated a lot of people watching the side, I think, over the last week, is that performance against Lazio where at times it seemed like they weren't moving. It was it was kind of like that sketch in The Simpsons, you know, where they where they make fun of uh, football by just uh, showing um this little sketch where they were just passing the ball back and forth. That's what that's what Borussia Dortmund looked like against Lazio at times. And when you play against an Italian team that is as well organized as Lazio, that plays with two very strong defensive lines. Um, they are happy with you passing the ball around in that area before, from front of the box because you know as long as you're not penetrating, you're not making these long penetrating runs, you're not you're not uh, moving around positions quickly, and you're not being creative. 
they're just they're just going to they're just going to defend you off the park and that's exactly what they did and i think that a lot of people um a lot of people saw that performance and it will take a lot for Favre. And I mean, we've been talking about Favre for the better part of a year now that um, I, I personally think he's a fantastic tactician. He tinkers a lot with the side, but I think ultimately he's not going to be the one that's going to take this team to a title. And I, I think I'm sticking to that. I, I'd be happy to be wrong at the end of this season, but I'm, I think there's so much talent there, but I just don't always see the talent used to be to the best to the best ability of tactically. Um, so yeah, um, I think overall happy that they can have happy with the result, but they can also, there's a lot of things that they need to look at when it comes to the last two games. Yeah. I mean, Chris, uh, do you see it any other way? Uh, I mean, we've, we've been a little bit critical of Favran rightfully so um, over you know, the last well, year, I suppose. You know, he's got such a fantastic squad of players there. He's got some great talent. Um, does it then all fall on him? Or is it that maybe they've got too many young players and maybe they need more experienced players? I mean, Mats Hummels um, and Emery Chan give them a bit of bite. Do they need more players like this, you know, in that squad You know, to, to prevent the, you know, these kind of slip-ups or games that they don't have that edge? I don't think they need more experienced players. Um, I'm going to say what I've said for the last 18 months, um, or it feels like 18 months. I've generally no concept of time at the minute. But um, I think Lucien Favre is a really good tactician. I think he's a poor man manager. And I think when you've got younger players, you need um, you need a, a manager who can not put his arm around them and give them a hug, because obviously that would make me think that every club needs Jurgen Klopp. But they need they need someone who can get them going because you you sit down you listen to Lucien Favre speak and he knows a lot about the game and he's very very knowledgeable but he doesn't he, he doesn't make me want to run through a brick wall for him and sometimes with younger players that's what you need you need to be able to have a fine balance of both or if you don't you need to have an assistant manager who can do that or an assistant head coach who can um, who can g up the players and who can do that and I don't think um I don't think Bruce e. Dortmund have that at the moment. I think they've got a very good um, coach, very good tactician, um, and they don't have anyone who can get these these players moving where they should. Because on paper, and we've always said football's not played on paper on this podcast, but on paper, I think Dortmund is stronger than Bayern at the minute, um, and they're nowhere near that level. And that must be disappointing for for everybody associated with that club, and especially for Mr. Vasco, Mr. Zork, who've pumped. You know, quite a bit of money in with the signings they've had over the last couple of seasons. Um, expectations are high. I think we're seeing the last season of Lucien Favre at Borussia Dortmund um, because he can't do that. He can't take them to that next level, which this squad demands and this squad, the expectations of this squad should be on that next level. Um, I mean, the way they were taken apart quite easily in Europe um, shows that they they do need a new coach, and I think. They will have a new coach um, this time next year. And Manu, just to go back to you, um, just a, a bit of a double-loaded question. Uh, firstly, um, how do you think they're going to get on uh, this uh, week in Champions League against Zenit since Petersburg? Things obviously didn't go quite as well against Lazio. But also, who do you think is going to play between the posts? Um, it's a bit of an issue with uh, Roman Berkey uh, at the moment. Do, do you think he keeps his place? That's a great question. I think Roman Berkey is going to keep his place. The question is who's, who's decided whether Roman Berkey is going to keep his place, right? Because it, it appears like from the communication that we got from the club that maybe Lucien Favre and the people above him had a different opinion on who should be starting for Borussia Dortmund, which is, of course, um, an interesting one because it, it indicates that the, on the sporting side of things, the coach and the sporting director and the director of the licensing department, Sebastian Kehl, and the sporting directors, of course, Michael Sorg, maybe have different opinions on lineups, which is, in my, I always feel that's the first indication that a coach is being questioned internally um, beyond, you know, beyond the, we don't know what else is going on, but this this is like cracks appearing to the surface, widely visible to everyone watching, right? So I think that's very interesting. It was a very interesting um, development. I think Berkey is going to start against Zenit, 
because anything else um, I think could really escalate things. I, I think if Hits is the one back in the post, then maybe this this whole uh, this whole father sporting directors conflict is going to get accelerated, which would be an interesting one to watch. As for Zenit, um, the Sork said this week we cannot um, we cannot have another slip up in the Champions League. No more slip ups. Uh, I think that's indicative of what we can expect them expect from them when they play against Zenit at home at the Signal Iduna Park and uh, Zenit are a very good side another Russian-German clash right this week and they are Russia's best club um, by far you know they're, they're a team that are fueled by Gazprom money very rich but they are going to be without their star striker Serda Asmun he's been uh, COVID-19 positive so he's missing this game and then and I think with him, without him, there's a there's a big threat missing um, up front for Zenit St. Petersburg. And I think that on paper, <laughs> to echo what Chris says, they should be winning this game. They absolutely should. But, you know, football is not played on paper to uh, once again echo Chris. Um, but I find, Chris, this, this whole Hitz-Berkey debate is interesting. The fact that there seems to be such a big split in opinion between the two different camps. I think that's like probably the most public difference we've seen between the sporting directors and yeah, uh, Barbara. Uh, and it, it's starting to read a little bit like Thomas Tuchel's last couple of months where there was evidence splits and people not talking to each other, um, not even regarding or not even acknowledging each other in the Dortmund HQ building. Uh, yeah, it's getting a little touch and go for me. Um, I think I've said all along that Berkey when he's at his very best, is a great shot stopper. Um, I think you need to be a lot more than that in the modern game to be a top-level goalkeeper. And I think Borussia Dortmund are missing a top-level goalkeeper to take them to that next level. Then very briefly, if, uh, I'll send the question to Nuraway, uh, Chris. I, I think again... Uh, Schalke, obviously we we haven't seen uh, too much of an improvement so far uh, from them. Still just sitting with one point out of five games. They've got Stuttgart uh, coming up uh, this week. And why I'm bringing them up is that one of the questions we had online was, um, is Stuttgart for real? I take it that must be regarding their best start in 12 years. Uh, Stuttgart looked fairly positive. Schalke looked pretty terrible. Uh, what's your opinion on the two sides, Chris? Oh, well, um, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing I'm going to say. That's got to be a question from an American, um, one of our American listeners, because um, I would have said, are Stuttgart for real? Um, is Stuttgart for real? Because I know the way the, the, the American English language works. Yes, they are very much for real. Um, they're, they're playing like a club um, of their stature should, and they're back in the big time and they're making the most of it. I've really enjoyed watching them this season so far. Um, I think there's a lot more to come for them. Um, obviously managed by an American, um, managed very or coached by an American, coached very, very well. Um, he is, I think, one of the best new coaches in the Bundesliga at the moment for me. Um, and about Schalke, yeah, they're just dreadful um, in every essence of the word um, at the moment. They are dreadful. And a little like Hamburg, a club's never too big to go down unless... You know, the sides below them um, are just as poor. And at the moment, Schalke can be thankful that there are a couple of sides around them who are a little bit iffy, but the table doesn't lie. I know we're only on match day five. I don't like to talk about the table until match day 10, really, unless you're down the bottom. And to have one point after five games, um, you know, Schalke are in a mess with Mainz at the minute. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be difficult for them. If they don't improve soon, Bryce... Um, I think we could see them go down. Yeah, it's definitely not looking good for them whatsoever, is it? And they're going to have to turn things around pretty quickly if they do want to stay in the division. Uh, Chris, we got asked last week, uh, and Manu said it was a bit too early to say, but uh, talking of um, teams that struggled, for the Bremen last year um, obviously didn't have a good year whatsoever, but managed to stay up uh, via the uh, playoff relegation game. Um Questions now being asked um, of them again online uh, for us. Um, just um, how much improvement do you see with this side? Do you see that defensively they're better organised or, or what seems to be the difference? 
I think they've learned from last season um, of, of all their problems. I think Kofelt's learned um, how to address the situation in his team. I do think they look a lot tighter at the back. Um, and teams need to, to learn. Otherwise, you end up like Wolfsburg did, where you play two relegation um, playoffs um, on the bounce, which no club wants. Um, so yeah, Werder Bremen, you know, they've had some, um, they've had some departures, of course. Um, they've had some players who, who aren't quite at the level where they should be at the moment. So for them to be um, seventh after five games, I, I think they'll be really happy with that. I mean, if they're, t- if they finish 10th, um, or slightly below that, maybe 12th, I think they'll be happy, um, just to not be in the situation they were last season, um, where there are some big clubs, being dragged into it. I mean, if you look at the Mainz are dreadful um, to take them out of the equation, but then we've got Schalke, Cologne and Hertha. So yeah, three big sides that won't want to be in that area and Werder Bremen will be very, very glad that they're out of it. Yes, indeed. And may I just say that it was our listener, Grant, who sent in a a bit of a loaded question there, which we've managed to touch on. Guys, uh, unfortunately, we've ran out of time uh, this week. There's there's just so much football to talk about. We hope we've managed to squeeze in uh, as much as we possibly could. Um, If not, maybe we'll touch on your team next week. Um, Yeah, the matches are coming thick and fast. So um, that does it for match day five uh, and the previews for the European game. Enjoy the European games and we'll be back after match day six. I must say, I'm looking forward to that late kickoff game against Borussia Mönchengladbach and RB Leipzig. Oh, that's going to be a good one. Anyway, until then, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. Uh, thank you for listening and I'll feed us then. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.